Get on up. Get on up. Get on up. You can't complain about being cold because you complained about being hot only five minutes ago. Turn off the air conditioning. Turn off the air conditioning. Turn on the heat to like 90 degrees, and we're going to make this place a sauna. I'm so tired of being cold. Seriously, we need to either move somewhere warmer or we need to get that whole global warming thing kicked into action. Everyone switch back to aerosols. Drive a big old clunker that just pours out greenhouse gas. And uh, yeah, go ahead and start littering. Whatever we can do to encourage global warming, I am completely for it. It will raise the tide, make better surfing off the coast of Australia for me to have a good time at. And hopefully, dear God, make the Chicago and outskirts area finally warm probably not though darn Al Gore he promised me so much and he delivered so little anyways I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever said anything like that in a message before it's strange well heck yeah awesome awesome all right, welcome to Sedfast. Welcome to Sex Machine number deuce. Um, I hope you liked last week. I liked last week um, in which we started out our, our series telling you all that you truly are sex machines, each and every one of you, um, and that God is the reason why you are such a sex machine. We talked all about last week. Um, I'd like to remind both... Uh, all of yous and our listeners on the podcast. That is a PG-13 message once again. I got a little bit of content in there. Like I said before, we're explicit, but we're never crass. So uh, whatever happens tonight just has to happen. So tonight is entitled Moving Parts. And uh, the first week we were talking all about, like, you know, what makes us who we are. But this week we're actually talking about the motion that comes with it. Because... We put a lot of action with our sexual thoughts, don't we, <laughs> when we all come down to it. Um, this continues kind of right off where we left last week, so you can just kind of picture it as one big old message. Um, people are putting action into their sexual desires. Absolutely. Um, we know this for a fact, obviously. Um, we said last week approximately 130 times a year people have sex. It's a lot of sex. And the average person, believe it or not, has sex at 17 years old. That's the average around the world. However, 
there are considerably lower numbers than that in different areas. Um, the United States, I believe, is actually a little lower than that. And the problem is it's being really skewed. They said, like the people who are the um, studiers, they said it's being ridiculously skewed because of um, different beliefs. Excuse me, podcast listeners, I just heard thunder. For those of you who wondered why this strange boss, um, strange. But they said that they're confused about what sex is, these people who are taking the survey. So they think that it's even being skewed even more. Like people won't like either admit what they have done or people are like, I don't think this is sex. So they think it's kind of getting skewed. Maybe it's even earlier because um, what they found is in the United States, children, really like children are having their first sexual encounters. Like when they're in middle school, like that's when kids are having their first sexual encounters. Um, Girls are giving oral sex to boys like in 6th, 7th grade. Crazy stuff going on. Like, I know with me, like, I, I think that sounds crazy. But it's the reality in actually schools, like in the United States and probably around the world, too, that I just don't know as much about. Um, but we're seeing, man, there's being a lot of action put with this sex that's in our minds. Um, people really try to live up to their, their ability as a sex machine, don't they? I mean, people make a point of it. Um, they feel basically sex is cool, it's okay, doesn't matter what circumstance, who it is, where it is, when it is, as long as I'm not hurting anybody. That's what you'll find really kind of the, the basis in the, in the world when you ask people. People say sex is it, it's completely cool as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. That's usually most people's response. Um, there's no black and white in it. It's kind of just this one big gray mass um, of what sex is. No one wants to define anything. Um, but really, sex has changed a lot from kind of the original intention, which we started talking about last week. Um, It's become kind of this selfish obsession that we've seen in people. Um, It's changed, and now where people kind of list it a lot more personally than they do as being like couple-orientated, like we did last week when we started talking about sex. Strangely enough, even though it takes two people to have sex, or more if some people are quite strange, um... People are listing sex a lot more singular. Their views on sex are a lot more about themselves than it ever is about two people. We see it's kind of become extremely selfish recently. Um, But like I said, people don't put an outline on their sex life. It's just a big old blob. But there is definition, so we're going to start with it tonight. First of all, to kind of debunk that first myth, the problem with the whole studies, um, sex Sex is all the things that go along with sex. And I'll actually be forward enough to say them because we're here and this is the reason why we came. But yes, it includes things like sexual intercourse, anal sex, oral sex, mutual masturbation. All of these things are all part of sex. You can't say that one of them is and one of them isn't. It's ridiculous. It infuriates me a lot of times when people think that, like, I'll be crass with you guys, <laughs> explicit with you guys, that it does, just because you put it in a different hole means that it's not sex. Excuse me, it's still sex, okay? doesn't matter what or where, it's still sex, okay? I don't care. It is sex altogether. But as we talked last week, there was this grand designer of sex. We met him last week, God, and it was this awesome gift that he gave. So um, if we can kind of go all the way back to designer, we can start to actually learn Maybe what sex is really all about, what the action that comes with it is all about as well. 
With the design of the sex machine, God also set up some parameters, which I started talking about last week. Parameters is a framework in which a machine works inside of to accomplish a task. It's designed to keep a machine the most productive, the most effective, and as safe as possible. That's why the designer puts those in place. I just want to say, as we continue with this, that nothing I say tonight is at all geared to be condemning, is at all geared to hurt people's feelings, um, depending on what your own life has been. It's not geared towards any people because maybe I've heard stuff about your own life or I've talked to you about your own life. I'm not pointing anyone out, okay? All I'm doing is I'm giving you what God says about sex. And if you feel something inside of yourself, it's probably just God. So you're going to take it up with him because I'm just going to tell you that, like I said, there's no, there's no way, I'll just tell you from my heart, there's no way that I'm saying anything to try to hurt people's feelings or to try to condemn you because that's not what I'm trying to do tonight. But when we go all the way back to the very beginning, Adam and Eve, we get this. In Genesis 2.24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. We read this last week. It said that God designed sex to be a union between one man and one woman within a marriage commitment forever. He says that this monogamy is the, the parameter that he put on it. This couple together. And so many people look at this and they say, that's crazy. That's absolutely insane. How in the world can you say that sex is meant for only two people together? That just seems like there's, there's no way. Maybe because our view's been skewed by the world a little bit. But people say, you know, absolutely, that just seems ridiculous. But let's actually stop and look at sex for a second, okay? Let's actually look, take a step back. We're talking about sex. Let's take a, a visual look at sex. I rarely encourage people to think about people having sex, but in this moment, you will have to. Sex is quite possibly the most embarrassing moment of your life. Think about it for a second. Women. Women constantly look at your body and think, is it good enough? Is it tight enough? Is it firm enough? Is it big enough? Is it small enough? I have known girls, and I've talked to many girls, who have never showered at school because they are too self-conscious to let another girl see them naked. Is it not true within even this own group? Girls won't shower at school because people, they don't want to see, have another girl see them naked because it's like they're going to judge and they're going to look and say, oh, that's not very good, or this is, you know, whatever. Guys, your entire life, you have been questioned and perhaps questioned yourself whether or not you have the goods to satisfy a woman in bed, whether or not you are bestowed with the proper amount of toolage in order to accomplish what's supposed to happen in bed. Not only that, but perhaps your entire life since you're like a little kid, you've had other boys talking to you about either being good or being bad in bed. And it all culminates in this horrifying experience called sex. Good Lord, two people are completely naked. Every single bit of comfort that you have in clothing is gone, okay, right? All of your flaws are right out there for the other person to see. Any of the small malfunctions in your body, anything that maybe you haven't toned up or worked on, anything that's perhaps strange, uh, birthmarks, strange things about your body, are right out there for everyone to see. Not only that, but your sexual organs, which have been 
closely guarded for the past however many years of your life are now up to be scrutinized, to be examined and said if they're good enough or not, which is quite frightening, is it not? I've tried to protect these my entire life, and now someone just gets to say whether or not they're good enough. And then, not only that, but your cleanliness, your, your body, everything that has to do with how clean you are, how, how well you take care of yourself, is right out there in the open for someone else to check out. And, oh my God, whether or not you are good in bed is up for debate. <sighs> Dear God, that's like a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, it's frightening. That is embarrassing. I don't know if I could imagine a more embarrassing moment. Seriously. It's crazy to think about. And I thought about them like, it's kind of frightening. I don't know. Hmm. When you look at sex in that manner, doesn't it almost make sense that it's something that isn't supposed to be shared with a complete stranger? Doesn't it make sense that it's not something that's supposed to be shared with like 20 or 30 people? Seriously, you just, listen, I, even, even as we, I said that, people are cringing in their seats, okay? Is, you think that's something that's supposed to be just shared with everyone? No, no. That's meant to be something that's shared in an extremely safe, in an extremely confined environment. It's meant to be shared inside a relationship that's already sealed, where you don't have to worry because you know the person already cares for you. And even those stupid flaws, and even those things that you worry about, and even those small things that you figure, am I good enough and stuff, none of that matters because there's already these boundaries put in place and this safety that you feel comfortable inside. That's where that's supposed to come. There's uh, in Proverbs 5, 15 through 20. You can turn there or you can just listen to me read it. This is what it says. Do you know the saying, drink from your own rain barrel, draw water from your own spring-fed well, it's true. Otherwise, you may one day come home and find your barrel empty and your well polluted. Your spring water is for you and for you only, not to be passed among strangers. Bless your fresh-flowing mountain. Enjoy your wife you married as a young man, lovely as an angel, beautiful as a rose. Don't ever quit taking delight in her body. Never take her love for granted. Why would you trade enduring intimacies for cheap thrills with a whore, for dalliances with a promiscuous stranger? What he's saying is there's this, this union that's supposed to happen, and that's where this beautiful sex life is supposed to happen. He says, in the NIV it says, you know, do you think you're just supposed to go and just basically spill your well water in the street? He says, no, you're supposed to have that be in this, in this confined area, in this safe environment. He says, you trade that for basically, just as the Bible as the message puts it, for just messing around with a whore. He says, it's ridiculous. He says, it's meant to be inside of this safety inside of this environment. Other people would say, man, seriously though, you can put all that on it, you can say all that. I'm still not embarrassed by it. It's totally cool. Um, casual sex can be just that. It can be casual. But there's problems that come along with this as well. You see, we talked about this creator who designed sex, who invented sex, and who made everything that came along with sex, God. We realize the fact that when he made this, he didn't just invent a sexual union, two bodies coming together. From the very beginning, we see the fact that God tied with this a heart connect, a mind connect, and a spirit connect as well. God didn't make it just as a physical connection. And we can try all 
day to break those things apart, but it still happens. It still happens when sex comes uh, into our relationship. You see, the problem is, is people think that one plus one equals two, but we don't add when we have sex. We do not add. If you remember all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, he has these two people, and what does he say? It's one of his first commandments. He says, be fruitful and multiply. You see, we do not add. We multiply. And what happens when you multiply one by one? You get one. See, what happens is when people have sex, they do not add. They multiply. Funny, because it's like a word that goes along with it. But we multiply, and it says that two people then become one. And this isn't just in body, because we're connected, but it's in our spirit and it's in our minds that there's this deep connection that does happen. Whether you like it or not, there's a connection that happens with this. I just read a story the other day. I was talking about this guy in college. And he's talking about how in college he was a sex machine, absolutely. His goal, day in and day out, more than getting his homework done, was having sex. That was really, I mean, his focus. You know, he'd find a girl, sleep with her, and then after a while he'd basically kick her to the curb, find another girl, sleep with her. That was his plan, man, for college. It was go to school, he got okay grades, but the main thing was basically to have as much sex as he possibly could. He said, you know what was funny, though, is he says, every single morning when I woke up after I just had all that crazy wild sex with that girl last night, he says, I had a sex hangover. He says, I'd wake up and I still felt empty, and I still felt like something was missing. He says, I didn't feel good about myself. You see, the problem was is all those connections were still there. Even though this kid didn't think that any of that would happen, he was trying to have sex and just make it be nothing, but there was a sexual connection and parts of him were just getting tore apart because he was using it out of the way it was supposed to be used. Um, sex is supposed to be this multiplication, this two becoming one. That's a beautiful way to describe it. I want to show you this real quick. I have a quick demo for you. It's cute. Oh, it's cute. Check it out. We have SheBoard. <laughs> we have little Bobby Board. Yes, isn't it cute? I drew those myself. Thank you. Thank you. Anyways, Bobby Board and SheBoard. They're at a party or they're hanging out or whatever like that. And you see Bobby has those wandering eyes and he catches SheBoard's attention. Ooh, baby. <laughs> But anyways, they meet and they talk. They start really falling in love, or so they think. They decide by the end of the party, let's do it. Let's do the deed. Let's get it done. So they end up going back to Bobby's apartment, his housing, whatever like that, wherever he stays at. And they end up doing the deed. And the two... You become one. Yes, indeed. Ah, I got glue on myself. Yep, and they do the deed, and the two become one. The two become one. Two become one. Now, they're connected. One piece. Not coming apart. They're together. They're connected. 
can you separate these boards back apart? Can you take them and can you pull these back apart? Have you guys ever tried to take and separate two pieces of wood that are glued together? You can't. You know why? Because the glue is stronger than the wood. It's impossible. You can take and you can pull. And you can try to squeeze them apart, but they will not come apart. It won't happen. So how do you make the two come apart? Because they had sex, but then how do they go back to being themselves again? How do I make these two boards back into two separate pieces? It's easy. Two pieces again. You got little boardette and board him. And they're back to being two separate pieces. But you see, the problem is, is there's a separation, and now there's two separate pieces again. But you see, it wasn't very clean, was it? It wasn't very easy. Each of them lost a small piece of themselves. Each of them kind of have these busted up and broken edges, these sharp, splintery edges to themselves. It wasn't so clean when they just tried to have sex and run. There's all these painful things that come along with it and all these, these, these broken things. It isn't easy. It isn't clean. But there's, there's this painful, ugly, um, ugly things that happen with it. This can be instant, just like this kid saying he had this sexual hangover. But more commonly, this can take place years down the line, often found in later relationships and in marriages is where these sharp edges and where these splinters really come out. That's where you find them. Check this out. The number one, number one regret married women have is previous sexual partners. The number one regret in marriage that women have, previous sexual partners. There are serious, I mean, edges and splinters that are brought into these, these weddings down the line because of all these things that happened in the past. You can't get away from them. God designed it to be disconnect, and you can't use it outside of that. It doesn't work correctly. Not only that, but like I said, God never designed it for so much promiscuity. Never supposed to have 20, 30, 100 partners in your life to share this with. It isn't the way that it was, it was supposed to happen. See, there's problems that come along, this, along with this as we add more and more sexual partners into our life. Um, one of the most basic that I see here on earth, man, sexually transmitted diseases. It's ridiculous how bad it's gotten in the last few years. Since my dad was a kid, okay, like we were talking about the sexually transmitted diseases from like my dad being a kid to me being a kid is like insane. Like the amount of sexually transmitted diseases, the like number of them. It's wild. Check out this scripture verse. I always, every time I read this, it kind of strikes me as funny. Proverbs 29, 27, 29. It says, can a man scoop fire into his lap and not be burned? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with the man who sleeps with another man's wife. He who embraces her will go, not go unpunished. Fire in your lap. Being burned. Kind of sounds like the good old-fashioned uh, gonohermaclamacipolitis to me. When I read it, every single time I do, I'm like, the burning in your lap. Gonohermaclamacipolitis. Yes. When I read it, I'm like, that sounds to me like sexually transmitted disease. I know they're talking about adultery, but you get it. What they're saying is, man, there is 
basically weight that comes with this. There will be punishment that comes with these things. It talks about the fact that, you know, a husband's going to smack you around, you sleep with his wife. But also the fact, man, there are sexually transmitted diseases out there. Oh my God. Have you guys actually studied or looked at the problems with HPV, the human papillomavirus? Dude, they say one in four women are going to have this. One in four women are going to have HPV. Here's the really bad thing, girls. You guys really listen to me right now? It is a terribly unfair disease. Guys get genital warts. Girls, cervical cancer. That's horrifying. One in four, they think, are going to have this human papillomavirus in the next few years. Wow, that's frightening. You can get cancer from that. It's become horrifying. These things have spread. Why? Because we've tried to use sex outside of the context it was made for. We've tried to spread it around, have sex with 20, 30, 100 different people in our lives, and all these things start to come with it. Man, remember the creator. He's the one who created this whole entire sex thing at the beginning. He's the one who made you this sex machine from the beginning. And you see, the thing is, is people thought that they were doing really, really good with their sex machine. They removed some of the guards. They maybe cranked up the speed faster. Maybe they said, we don't really need to learn how to run this machine completely. And for a while, production was up. Man, they were cranking out sex machine just like crazy. Production was up. Man, it was a good time. But then sooner or later, what happened is something broke, something burned out. And before long, there was this failure. For a while, it really looked like it was going good. But there's always this crash that comes afterwards. The thing is, is God didn't make these rules to take away your fun. He did not make these rules to take away your fun. Um, I just listened to a message on sex a while back, and he said, you know what the problem is, is he says, the world, when they look at sex, forgets the oneness, and he says, the church forgets the funness. But that's not the deal, man. God didn't take away the funness from our sex life, okay? God didn't put a whole bunch of rules on what our sex life is. God wants you to have sex, lots of sex, but he put parameters inside of it. You go through the Bible, I'll just be blatantly obvious with you guys. People think that, like, Christians aren't going to have good sex. It's ridiculous. There's nothing in the Bible that takes and, like, pulls away from anything to do with sex. Dude, you want to do it, get married, and feel free to do whatever you want, okay? People argue whatever like that. Oral sex, okay? There's two or three different spots in, in uh, Song of Solomon they completely think are talking all about oral sex. They said that doesn't make any sense. If you look at the original Hebrew... They're talking about oral sex. Dude, all this different stuff. Even down, people, people argue with this. I'm not, I'm not going to take either side. People talk about anal sex too, whatever, what's up, okay? People argue back and forth. There isn't anything in the Bible against it, whatever. God didn't take away all these different things that people say are like, oh, this is all about sex and Christians will never do this, whatever. God didn't take away all these fun things, whatever you're going to share in sex. He just said, do them within these parameters because this is for you. Okay, <laughs> I passed that. Okay, why did God create these parameters, though? Because if he come up with these shields, he come up with this, man, max output, these different things for a sex machine, there has to be a reason, and there is. And this is what's really cool, is when it all comes down to it, the reason for all these parameters come down to God's absolute core, central characteristic, and that's love. 
Because at the very center of God, if you ever do any studies to find out who God is, the biggest character trait you're going to find in God is love. Because God is love. The truth of the matter is, is that God loves and adores all his little sex machines. Loves them with all of his heart. And what happens is he doesn't want to see his little sex machines get hurt, to hurt themselves. He wants them to be productive, to have a great sex life, to live a happy and long sex life. This is why he puts these on. Lamentations 3, 32-33 says this in the message. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard and throwing roadblocks in the way. You see what it's saying is God is pro-sex. Absolutely. He's the one who created it. He's the one who designed it. He's not saying anything against sex. He's the one who come up with it. But he designed it to be used within certain specifications, within certain parameters. People say stuff like, you have to test drive a car before you take it off the lot. That's like the number one argument for not having sex before you're married. Do you buy a car without test driving it? How many times have I heard that in my life? A billion. But you know what's funny is the results say the exact opposite. I'll admit to you, yes, if you're going to buy a car, take it for a test drive. I'm a mechanic. I'm a mechanic. That makes sense. Take it for a test drive. However, the results say the exact opposite with sex. You see what sex statistics say, even if you find them, actually look up and try to find them, it says that people who wait until marriage to have sex often have happier, more fulfilled, and longer-lasting sex lives than those who have sex before they're married. See, the statistics stand to argue against that. Not only that, but like stuff like people are like, oh, you need to have sex, you need to be living together. You don't have to do these things. Living together, there's, there's problems that come with that too that you have to be cautious with. Man, it is really, really hard to live together and to stay pure. Very hard to live together and to stay pure. Problem is, is I mean, if you're a guy, let's face it, you're a guy, you really like a girl, you're thinking you want to have sex with her. Absolutely. If you're living with her in close proximity every single day, that's really hard for a guy. I don't know how it is for girls because I've never been there. But man, guys' minds, that, that's what we're on. So I mean, if you're there, like wake up, you're there. Go to bed, you're there. He's going to be thinking about sex constantly. Um, they found people who live together before they're married decrease in commitment, increase in depression. That's what they found with people who live together before they're married. More problems a lot of times after marriage um, because of this, this, like, maybe not being special. I don't know, but those are the results that they're finding. The problem with it is, just to kind of to set the stage of what, what I think the real problem is, some things have backed me up, some things have negated what I think, but I, I think this is really true. The problem is, is what do you make sex to be in your relationship? Do you make it just another thing to find commonality in? Which oftentimes, it decreases everything else. Tons of stories of that. Man, we're getting along great. We love each other. We have so much in common. We start having sex. We forget about everything else. Focus on sex. Burn out and separate. There's like a billion stories like that. Especially of kids our age, like college age students. Seriously. But what do you make sex to be? Or is it something special that's supposed to be held inside of your marriage, a covenant? Guys, you especially need to think of this. Here's the deal. Girl sex and sexuality is way different than guys, okay? Just reading a book, a small excerpt from a book, talking about Christian men and what they need to know about sex for their wives. Here's what it says. The problem with men is men think that sex begins in the bedroom 
the reality is a girl's sexual experience starts at where you take her out to dinner. Whether or not you hold the door open for her when you leave, whether or not you are attentive to her and smile at her during your meal, how nice you are when you take her home, and the way that you touch her, the way that you encourage her into having sex, that's all part of it. See, guys, they're like, sex is when we get naked and we do it. That's what guys' thoughts is. The complete opposite for girls. Man, girls' sex is this huge experience because girls are so much more connected mentally with what sex is, where guys aren't. Here's my thing on why I really think that sex fails when you, when you start using it before marriage. And I think, not to put any blame on girls, but I really think the, the problem with it is the female side of it. And here's why. is because when you start to have sex before marriage, okay, there are, there are girls who really want to have sex before marriage. The majority of girls really want to get married, and they'll have sex to do it. Here's a great statistic for you. Girls and guys remember this, especially girls. 90% of girls say they will have sex with a man if he loves them. 90% of men says that they would say they love a girl in order to have sex. Yes, those are how the statistics rang up, 90% each. Yeah. So what happens is this, is a girl begins to have sex with a guy before they're married in order to encourage the relationship towards marriage. But the problem is, is it changes what her view of sex is. You see, like I said, girl sex is so much more in their mind, so much more on who they are. And what happens is you decrease the specialty of sex because now it's not something that's very sacred to the woman. And what you do is you take away her trust on what sex is supposed to be. I absolutely think that that's, that's probably the core of it, is if you build it up to be something special, it's going to be something special in a girl's mind. If you don't, it's not going to be anything special in a girl's mind. Guys, really remember that. Girls, you can tell me if you think I'm right or not. But by what I've read, time and time again, it always talks about that. Because guys, man, guys will have sex every day if they can. That's not the problem. It's the relationship aspect of it in marriage that always seems to be where these failures take place. Now, I know what you're thinking, because people think this way. How far can I go if I can't have sex before I'm married? Well, then how far can I go before I'm married? This is a frightening question, an absolutely scary question, because you're basically asking, how close can I stand to a train wreck? How close can I get to a catastrophe and not be burned, singed, and maimed? How close can I stand to this cliff with a thousand-foot drop-off before I'm too close. Well, let's look at what the Bible has to say about it, because there's no use in me giving you a bunch of, of thoughts of my own. Let's look at what it has to say about it. Here's a good one. First Timothy 5, 1 through 12. It says this, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. You see what Paul is saying to Timothy in this letter that he's writing his young apprentice? He's saying that before you're married, you treat every single person on this earth as if they are your family, including the women who you like. They're your sisters. What he's saying is that you treat a woman before you're married as if she is your sister. All right, imagine that you find the love of your life. Girls, that stunning man. Guys, that absolutely beautiful woman. And you guys wine, dine, date, whatever and you decide it's time to get married, 
And right before you get married, you're engaged and everything like that, you guys take a blood test and find out that you're long-lost brother and sisters. You were separated at birth because you're both adopted and your biological brother and sister. Uh. There's already some problems with this, I'm sure. But here's the deal. If that situation should arise, there should be nothing in your physical past that should cause you to be sick to your stomach. Yeah. Because you should be treating each other like brother and sister until you're married. Your physical past shouldn't be anything to be nauseous about. Maybe the fact of the feelings you had and stuff like that, that would be pretty nauseating, obviously. (laughs) But the physical acts that you did should not bring you any shame. Absolutely no shame. Here's another way to think of it. This is one way that I've thought about it in the past. Guys and girls, that you wouldn't do anything with that other person that you wouldn't do with her father standing in the room right next to you. You wouldn't do anything with that girl. Girls, you wouldn't do anything with that guy as if the female's father, because I say the females because guys are disgusting and dads of guys are like, go get them, tiger. <laughs> but I don't care who you are, although I will, I will state this. I understand some of you might be like, my dad sucks. He'd be there and he'd be like, whatever, don't care. And if that's true, remove that and put in like Mr. Brady, okay? Like that good, <laughs> that good dad that's supposed to be there for you. Mr. Rogers, whatever. He wasn't a dad, though. But imagine that when you guys are together, that you wouldn't do anything that you wouldn't do if her dad was standing right there next to you. Because in all reality, he is. Because God says that he is everywhere at all times, and he is in all things. That means that her father is right there next to her. Her spiritual father, and yours as well, is sitting right next to you guys on that couch laying right next to you in that bed, standing right next to you. And whatever you do, he's seeing it. And are you going to do that in front of her father? Here's another one for you. I'll be ridiculously, I'll be ridiculously explicit. It's so great. It's awesome. Guys, if you're getting an erection, you are either going too far or your mind is going too far. God designed sex. We already established that. He also designed everything that leads up to sex. Hence, men's erections. Girls, there's some other stuff that goes on down there that (laughs) I don't really know all what to call because I'm not a female. But I've studied some books. There's things that change. All of that is meant for sex. God designed it to be paired with sex. If you're doing stuff that's getting you all hot and bothered down south, (laughs) you're going too far or your mind is going too far, okay? Because God designed that to be part of sex. He didn't design it for guys to get erections and girls to whatever, to do nothing with. He designed it to be one overall thing. It all was one big package. It was a package deal to come together. And uh, guys, don't give me the crap of whatever like that. It just happens. Seriously, you guys are all old, especially this crew. It's great because you guys are all older. We're past the point of being 15 and getting a boner because a girl smiles at us. <laughs> we're all old now. We're, we're big men. We can, we can deal with our own bodies. Um, we're not little pubescent boys anymore. Um, 
But God designed all of that to go together. And yes, it might be explicit, but it's true. All that was designed to go together. And if that stuff is happening, you're going too far. You're traveling way too far. You're not just at the edge of that cliff, but you are leaning all the way over in it, and you're about ready to stumble in and fall. Here's a good one. Maybe the best. Maybe not. I don't know. Your sexual organs were designed for three people. Guys, your penis, girls, your vagina, and whatever else you want to use in pairing with your sex. Your sexual organs were designed for three people. First, you. It was designed, hooked up to you, in order to provide you sexual pleasure. Second, it was made for your future spouse, for that person who you will share sex with, in order to give that person sexual fulfillment. And third, your sexual organs were made for God. Yeah. Your sexual organs were designed to give Christ, to give God glory. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But it's true because every single bit of our body was made for that reason. Every single bit of creation was. Your sexual organs were designed to give God glory, and you do that by not using them when you're not supposed to use them, and using them when you're supposed to use them. By not having sex before you're married and saying, I will be chaste until my, until my marriage, and then when it does happen, have as much sex as you possibly can and just give God all that glory. Go ahead and let it roll. That your sexual organs were designed also for God. Think about that, because it's really true. When it comes to our moving parts, um, man, a sex machine isn't complicated. Not even, not even kind of. But it can accomplish a lot for good or for negative in our own lives. Here's the deal. And even if you haven't listened to anything else, I want you to listen to this. If you have listened, call special attention and focus. If you're out there in your days, clear the days and look into my eyes. God's design for these parameters was not based on his personal piety. Instead, these parameters were based for your protection and for your benefit because he loves you. God didn't design these things. He didn't design these rules because he wanted to take something away from you or because he thought it was a good idea in his mind because he's a pure God and he wanted you to be pure. That's all bunk. God designed these rules for you, for your benefit, because he knew it was going to happen, he knew it was going to come, and he wanted to protect you from it. That's why God designed these. And second, you can trust God's plan over your own. Even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, you can trust that God's plan is better because it really is. It'll do better. It'll accomplish more. It will give you a much more fulfilled life, even though it seems like it might be crazy right now. Seriously. There are a billion examples to prove these things. Absolutely. I was just listening to um, that same preacher talk about sex, and he says, I have, I have counseled so many people who have been ready to get married, and he says, you know, in all the years, I've never heard anyone say, man, I wish I had more sexual partners. I wish I would have done a lot more. I wish me and him would have went a lot farther sexually before we got married. He says, instead, he has time and time again couples to sit down and say, I wish I wouldn't have had so many sexual partners before this person because it's made it really hard. Time and time again, people who say, we really crossed way too many boundaries and it's basically nullified what sex is supposed to be in our, in our marriage relationship. 
It's already used up. It's not like it's anything special. Time and time again, basically wedding day is coming on and couples sit down and say there's tons of problems and there's heartache in our relationship because there isn't that trust in sexuality because of all the people who we've had sex with in the past. Let me tell you, guys, man, do you want to think about your future wife being used in that way time and time again before you enter into that covenant with her? You want to think that when you lay down on your wedding night to have sex with your wife, that she slept with how many other men? Absolutely not. No. I mean, you don't even have to have a God aspect on that, do you? I think you could say that you could go out to a, to a bar. You could go take that same, same place to guys who don't even care about God and say, let me tell you guys, if you're going to get married tomorrow, when you lay down and have sex, would you want a girl who slept with like a couple hundred guys? They're like, No. Man, they want a girl who's pure, who's something that's special. Girls, when you take and you have sex with a man and you give of yourself to him, because that's, that's the biggest thing with sex is there's so much trust, especially with women, because it is an embarrassing moment. And girls often, it is so much about trust with sex. Do you feel completely confident giving yourself to a man who's seen hundreds and hundreds of other girls have sex with him? It just doesn't feel right, does it? You don't feel that trust. It absolutely destroys that marriage relationship. There's so many heartaches and there's so many just hampered feelings that come on it and make it so difficult. As I said, God didn't design these things to try to hurt your feelings or try to take something away from you. He put them in place because he understood what was going to happen in our lives. He understood who we were going to be and understood what we needed to know in order to keep us as protected as possible. Now, man, sex is so much deeper than this. It goes so much deeper than just what we do, and that's what we're going to continue to talk about next because we talk about our sexuality and stuff, and we're going to continue talking about the fact that there is a change. And I want all of, you, all of you guys to know, tonight you hear stuff and you think, man, there's conviction in my heart, and some of this hurts because of the things that I've done. Man, don't get up and feel hurt because the one thing that God always has is he always says, I can take that away and I can make you new. We can always start over. That stuff in the past can always be washed away. You want to come talk to me, that's cool. But I mean, that's what we're going to continue to talk about. We're going to talk about sexuality, but we're going to talk about the fact that God can change all that stuff and he can make us new again. You don't have to be that same person if you say, this isn't me, this isn't who I want to be. You can be something different. So I want you to come back next week, learn more about sex, learn more about sexuality, because there's so much more that we can say about it. Even this, this small amount of time we have here, it goes so quick just talking about sex. But I want to pray with you guys real quick before we leave. Lord, I thank you for tonight, and I thank you, God, once again, um, just for the beautiful creation that you made sex to be. Um, That's not something dirty, but it was something very, very pure and holy that you made for us, Lord. God, I thank you that you did put in parameters, Lord God, and I know, man, it wasn't to take away what sex was supposed to be, but it was to liberate us, to have a real sex life, to have one that was positive, to have one that wasn't knocked down by all these things that came first. So I pray to you, Jesus, that tonight, um, you just work in our hearts. Lord, if there's conviction by you, Holy Spirit, that you would just let it be known as that. It's not my words, but it, it's your heart, Lord, and that um, people would always know that there's always this ability to start over. Like I said, anyone out there, if you want to come and talk to me because something um, has struck you tonight, man, come and see me. Um, just catch my arm and, and just let me know, and I'll definitely, I'll, I'll sit aside with you, and we can have a chat. But God, I just pray to you that you'll continue to work in us, Lord, because I know there's areas, even in us who say, man, I'm pure in this, I'm pure in this, I'm pure in this, that there's still areas in our life that you're saying, but this needs to change. So I thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do tonight, and I thank you for what you're going to continue to do the next two weeks. 
It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, you sex machines. See you later.